Welcome to the Kingdom Revival Culture Podcast, keeping you in touch with Faith Mountain Fellowship Church in Red River, New Mexico. You know, the love that Jesus Christ calls his body to is an amazing, everlasting, unconditional love. And this podcast is just one of the ways that you and I can build each other up in that love. So to start, just enjoy this message, and then please contact us with prayer requests, feedback, or anything else you'd like to discuss at fmfcpodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from everyone interested in helping create a kingdom revival culture. I don't know if y'all know me. I'm Trinity. Uh, Thank you for all coming today. And I want to tell you that in this message I have for you, there's a bunch of little gems. So what I want you to do is I want you to take the ones that God puts out to you and I want you to put them in your spiritual pocket and then through this week and through the rest of your life, pull that little gem out and look at it and remember what God's showing you. And one thing that God was showing me a while ago is that, you, you know, if you, and I don't mean to pry or anything, but if on the way to church today you were arguing with your wife, your husband, uh, if last night something happened, if you're thinking about the football game, you're going to go watch. If you're thinking about something else, I'm going to ask you to make a choice right now to focus right here and to forgive the person if there's anything like that, because that happens to me a lot. You know, on my way to church or the night before, I get into an argument with Faye, and then it's weird. It throws me off. So I need you to pay attention. Okay. So, like all of my sermons, they're all personal, very, very personal things that happen to me that God teaches me, and that's the best way I learn. Uh, but this all started with my menu. I don't know if you guys know, but I run a pizzeria in town. And uh, on the front of my menu, I have this story. And it's a story of how God gave me my business. And it completely glorifies him. And it's the first thing you see when you sit down and you grab the menu. You look at the story and you can see how God helped me. Well, I had this company and they wanted to come help me redesign my menu. And I had asked them. To do it, and it was mainly to organize prices to get to make it professional. Uh, and they emphasized one of the most important things was a catchphrase. So they wanted to come up with a catchphrase that would go on my menu, on to-go menus, everywhere, any type of advertisement. And uh, so they came up with this idea of peace, love, and pizza. <laughs> and it actually is great. And I didn't have a problem with it at first. I liked it, and my wife did. And it was funny because she was very uncomfortable with it, and she, she told me it sounds too hippie-ish. And I, and I kind of stood back, and I was like, okay, you know, no big deal. Well, when we left this little meeting, I heard God tell me they're going to try to change your story. And they had made an idea, given me an idea, to put the story on the side of napkin dispensers, which I really... Didn't think, oh, it's not a bad thing. It's still right there. And I didn't realize what was going on to the point it was. But so anyway, Faye wasn't comfortable with this. And then at the next meeting, I get presented with 
my new story. Just like I said, told Faye. And it was kind of my confirmation from God. Uh, and they had condensed my story, dumbed, dumbed it down. And they were like, we need to make the emphasis not on your story. We need to make the emphasis on pizza. And as I was sitting there, I just really remained quiet the whole time. And I let Faye do all the discussing. Uh, and I started to hear from God pretty clearly. And I was like, they are going to destroy that story. And that's what this place is about. And God started reminding me. It was like all of a sudden for a moment I had forgot what my business was about. And I forgot it was about God being glorified and then making pizzas. It was about people encountering God and then they can have some pizza. You know, and I had tried to flip it the other way. Which I think is probably easy for any of us to do. You know, but as I was sitting there, God gave me this revelation of that it was a compromise. That I had a choice. I could compromise for success and I would be successful in the world's eyes. Or I could stand my ground and go, no, that story is going to stay. And that's exactly what I ended up saying. I said, I think I should leave the story the way it was. And uh, so as I walked off from this meeting, I heard God tell me, and I was talking to Faye at the same time, and I heard God tell me, he said, I did not come to the world to bring peace, but a sword. And it kind of, I stood there and I was like, man, and I, I repeated the words to Faye. And she was like, that doesn't sound right. You know, and so that's how this all came about. I started to look up different scriptures on peace. And what I want you to do is I'm going to call out a bunch of scriptures to you. You can write them down if you want. They all have to do with peace. You can go home and go on Google and <laughs> put in scriptures referring to peace and it will pull you up more than you have time to look at. It, it's amazing how many scriptures are on peace. So the ones I wrote down uh, are John 14, 27. And I know that one by heart because God gave me that one when I was saved. And it's peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give. Let not your heart be troubled nor afraid. Uh, that's something God reminds me of all the time. And then you got John 16, 33. And John 16, 33 reminds me of my definition of peace. I have a weird definition of a picture that I saw one time of a bird sitting on in a little nest on a little parched limb and there was a big, huge waterfall right next to it. And this bird, you can tell he's just sitting there in the water. There's just chaos around the bird. You know, the water is naturally just causing a disruption in what we would think peace is. <laughs> and I think that we... Most of the time when we look at the word peace, we think of a physical peace around us. Uh, there's no chaos, everything's, everybody's healthy, everything's going good. Well, that is not what peace really is. That's great, but I don't think that that's even really practical in this world. I mean, if you have a, a life where you have no problems going on, something you don't want God to change, it's just not... You're not really alive. I mean, nothing's ever going to go right. Well, and then uh, you got Psalms 4, verse 8. Peter, chapter 3, verse 10 through 11. Colossians three fifteen, 
James 3.18, Isaiah 26.3. That one he's talking about, uh, keep your, oh man. He's talking about if you put him first, he showed, let, let me flip over there real quick. Because that one has become important all of a sudden to God for some reason. No, it's Isaiah 26, verse 3. And it says, You will keep in perfect peace him whose mind is steadfast because he trusted you. Amen. That's the NIV version. And God wanted you to hear that today because I didn't have that one marked down to read. Uh, you got Romans 8, 6. And you got Isaiah 26, 6, where, is where Jesus refers to being the Prince of Peace. And so, as I was looking at all these scriptures, God started showing me that a lot of these are, they're conditional peace, just like the one I read you. You know, if you look at that scripture, it says, you will keep in perfect peace him whose mind is steadfast. So the person's mind that is concentrated on God, he's going to keep in peace. And that's and the reason why I, at first, I saw these as being conditional, but I didn't want to be that bold to say that, oh, these are conditional. But what he started to show me is in Galatians 5.22, that peace is a fruit of the Spirit. Amen. And so, if you guys have studied the Word and you look at it, you know in John 15, verse 4 and 5, that you have to abide in Him. Let me, let me read that to you. So John chapter 15, verse 4 and 5. says, Remain in me, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me, and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So there's your confirmation that it is conditional is that you have to abide in him to function in peace, that it's a fruit of the Spirit. Amen. And the reason why I just wanted to show you that is to get back to the story, This because I heard those words, I did not come to the world to bring peace, but a sword, which to me is like the boom. It's like, God, that sounds completely different than anything you would ever say. And so now, if you want to turn with me, turn to Matthew 10, 34. One of these days, I'm going to get all fancy and have a little thing you push. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> so you got 1034. It says, Do not suppose that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I did not come to bring peace but a sword. Okay. Now, let me read it to you in context. I'm going to start at verse 33, and I'm going to read to verse 39. And it says, But whoever disowns me before men, I will disown him before my Father in heaven. 
Do not suppose that I come to bring peace to the earth. I did not come to bring peace but a sword. For I have come to turn a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies will be the members of his own household. Anyone who loves his father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves his son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And anyone who does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. So you guys see that they, he's talking about salvation. Amen. He's talking about a life living for him. And so that, that was the curveball, you know, to, to really, because if you really study scripture, you'll see there's a lot of scriptures where all of a sudden you read it and you're like, that doesn't fit. You know, but if the further you look into it, you see what he really meant. By reading it on the surface of, I didn't come to bring peace, but a sword. It's like, God, that goes against everything you are because you're the Prince of Peace. And that's, that's why I wanted to read it to you in context. And then the key word there is the earth. Yeah. You know, you can see that in verse 34, I did not suppose I come to bring peace to the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. So the key word is earth. So that's, if, if I look at that and I say well, the earth's the world, it's, and the way God explains that is it's, those are the unsaved. You know, he, he wants salvation for everyone. His will is that all men are saved. But if you do not know him, you cannot have peace. It's a fruit of the spirit. The only way you can receive the spirit is through salvation. And so, now you understand exactly why he's told, he told me about peace. And now let, let me explain the further of the revelation that he started to show me. It, so what happened was, is he started to show me the spirit behind this. And that, that's where it kind of got scary in a way because... The people that were helping me, I knew very well, well, they didn't know the spirit that was trying to use them to condense the story, to not put God as the emphasis. And the reason why I want to, you remember Peter? And you, do you remember where Peter told Jesus, and he was like, look, Lord, I'll never let that happen to you. And I'm paraphrasing this. I'll, you know, I'll fight for you. And Peter, and Jesus tells Peter, get thee behind me, Satan. You know, I mean, to me, that would have been like the crushing blow I'd have been like, you mean Satan was speaking through me? And that's exactly what Jesus meant. Yeah. And that's exactly what we deal with in the world today. Just because someone is a family member, like Jesus was talking about right there, or they're a friend, or they're your wife, or your husband, doesn't mean that the enemy can't use them at some point. And so you, the reason I'm saying that is that it's a spirit behind them. It's not them. And one of the things that God wanted me to point out to you, and, and he did it through Pastor Ed, was, is that before I go any further about this, I want you to understand, I want you to turn to Ephesians 6, chapter 12. And I'm going to read it to you, I think, out of the Amplified Bible. <clears throat> Ephesians 
Okay, so 6, verse 12. I'm going to read it to you first out of the NIV. It says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Now, the Amplified Bible says, For we are not wrestling with flesh and blood, contending only with physical opponents, but against the despotisms, against the powers, against the master spirits who are the world rulers of this present darkness, against the spirit forces of wickedness in the heavenly supernatural sphere. So, my emphasis is that you do not misunderstand what I'm saying is because your fight is not against flesh and blood. Your fight is against the spiritual force that you can't actually see. So when that person comes against you, remember it's not that person. And that's something that's so easy to say and so hard to remember. So I, I'm, that's one of those gems you should put in your pocket because <laughs> you're going to need it later when that person comes against you. Oh yeah, by the way, I need some amens because... Uh, Love it. Okay, and then Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14. We got to read that one. Because that goes with the, the fight is not against flesh and blood. Okay, so 12... 14. Make every effort to live in, live in peace with all men and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. So make every effort to live in peace. Amen. So as you face the Spirit, you still have to choose to live in peace. You know, if you've studied this Bible, you'll see that all the times that all the disciples, uh, all the people were persecuted, they didn't respond in hate. They they responded in love, you know, and that they wanted to be at peace. I mean, I can tell you the truth that that spirit you will not be at peace with, but you still fight for that peace. And you still try to walk in peace with the people, but that spirit is an opposition against the Holy Spirit. And so that just doesn't happen. And so this same spirit that God was identifying to me through the revelation uh, he showed me that that's the same spirit that's behind political correctness. Right. You know, that that political correctness, I know you guys know what that is, but that's the whole pretense of the reason why we can't have the Ten Commandments up in a government building, why we can't pray in a school, why you can't do a lot of things is because it might offend somebody. And the truth is, is it will offend somebody. Right. Because just like I said a while ago, that spirit will never be at peace with the Holy Spirit because they are opposites. We are still called to live in peace. Okay, so turn to 2 Corinthians. I know I have a lot of scripture, but you can't really do this job without having a lot of scripture. And if you can, you might be doing something wrong. So 2 Corinthians, and this is what God has reminded me of a lot whenever I face the Spirit. What chapter? 
chapter 2, 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 15 and 16. Thank you. It says, For we are to God the aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and to those who are perishing. To one we are the smell of death, to the other the fragrance of life. That smell of death. And I know that that doesn't exactly say that, but I want you to look at it again if you don't believe me. So to the non-believer, you are the smell of death. Amen. It, don't take that the wrong way. Amen. Please. Amen. It, it is. It, and it's just that Whenever you really, even with the Christian, when you really get into the word and you start discussing the word with a Christian brother, you're probably going to realize that there's things that they don't see the way you see them. And it depends on which denomination you're talking to, how they grew up. But if you bring up the subject of tongues, if you bring up certain subjects, the rapture, the rapture can get more arguments out of anybody, I think. That, that one right there is a sensitive issue. Amen. <laughs> okay, so this, this, to the world, the stench of death, the smell of death. Uh, a while back, like, man, this has been three or four months ago. One day God brought to my mind and he said, what is truth? At the same time, he started he started saying this word to me, absolute, absolute. I didn't know what that word meant. I, I mean, I can think in my head what the definition of absolute is, but it was, it was weird because you get a word like that, and that's the way God deals with me a lot, is, uh, and you don't know exactly what he's trying to say. And it, you guys, if you get words from God, which I believe you do, you just got to listen. You know, sometimes you take that word and you may write it down or something, and it may be years. It may be a day before you know what that word means for me. But he's explaining to you something. So he, he started talking to me about truth. And what was crazy is I remembered the words of Pilate. And Pilate's famous words to Jesus are, what is truth? You know, as he's questioning Jesus, Jesus is explaining to him, and he says, what is truth? Well, Jesus is truth. You know, and that, that's that same spirit that says that. And that same spirit in the world says that there's many ways to God. You know, I don't know if you guys have ever had that conversation with people, and they tell you, hey... Uh, this is how I get close to God. I don't, I don't go to church. And, and church doesn't save you. Please do not. You're supposed to be here, though. You're supposed to fellowship together. But do not ever let your attendance to church think that that's your salvation. Your salvation is your personal relationship with Jesus. Amen. And that's something you, you need to constantly remind yourself. It's like, but you do not want to neglect your... Your gathering. You know, the number one thing I've ever seen from people that have neglected their gathering is that they get off in deception. Yep. They get off into a view of the word that's usually destructive. Yeah, that's right. 
You know, and that's all because they think I don't need to be at church. And then they do it over and over and over and years go by. Yes. And before you know it, they're in some type of heresy. And I mean, it's just one of the scariest things to see a brother or sister that you've known follow God and get off on a tangent in some deception. Amen. Well, like I was saying, that spirit says there are many ways to God. We know in John chapter 14, verse 6, and I want to read this one to you because this is what God showed me a long time ago with dealing with people who say there's many ways to God. Jesus is talking and Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That's about as black and white as you get it. Amen. You know, salvation doesn't come through any way but Jesus Christ. And that's where that word absolute comes into play. So as I was saying, I heard that word and I kept talking to people about it like I would try to use it in my conversation, not having a clue what it meant. But that's usually what happens with things that God tells me. And... But I looked it up just a few days ago because I really wanted to know. And I looked it up in a normal dictionary. And what was really cool is the definition because it looks like it was written in some type of concordance, the definition of it. And it says, a value or principle that is regarded as universally valid or that may be viewed without relation to other things. Good and evil are presented as absolutes. That which exists without being dependent on anything else. Ultimate reality, God. That was the actual definition in like a normal dictionary. Well, and I wish I would have came up with this idea, but I actually saw this. Uh, another preacher did this, and it was one of the most profound things that I saw, but God allowed me to use it in this definition of absolute. So what I want you to do, and you can't cheat, no cheaters, please. You're going to close your eyes. <laughs> You're going to close your eyes. And without slapping your neighbor in the head, you're going to point to the direction north. And I want you to keep facing me. Okay? Close your eyes because I don't want... Everybody close your eyes. Please. So point to the direction of north. Okay, now hold your arms up and keep them up when I say open your eyes. Okay, open your eyes. Okay, anybody that is not pointing exactly the way I am, I mean, you can vary a little, but not over here, not this way, okay, like this. Okay, that is a great example of absolute. You did not do anything to make that direction north. You cannot change that direction. It's that way because God made it that way. That's the way salvation is. The salvation that comes through Jesus Christ, it's just like I read you in that scripture. There's only one way to the Father. He made it that way. You can't change it. You can't go around it. When you cease to die, I mean, when you cease to live and you die, you're going to stand before the Father. You can't argue with Him and tell Him, well, I did this and I did this and I prayed seven times a day to this direction and I helped all these people. It doesn't matter. Amen. 
You don't get. There is only one way. And salvation comes through grace by faith. And I and that was one of the things I struggled all week with preaching today. And really, all the other times I've been up here, I haven't really struggled. But this week, it was like something really didn't want the, that spirit didn't really want me to be here today. Like made me sick yesterday. Just fought me all week long, mentally. It was a weird thing. Because it was so important for some reason for you guys to get these little gems and take them with you. But the thing I do want to leave you with is, uh, so last Sunday, Ed talks about James. One of his scriptures he referred to was in the book of James. And I think it's James chapter 4. Oh, yeah, it is. Okay, so I heard this scripture last week from Ed. And then Monday, uh, Richard and I were talking about the scripture. And then somebody else and I were talking. And then somebody else. And, and then on Friday, I listened to a sermon not knowing anything it was going to be about uh, from Gateway. And the sermon was on that scripture. And it wasn't even presented by Rock. It was presented by a different guy than the normal preacher. Uh, and God was just showing me, and it's like that little gem of the word absolute. I don't. I know what the scripture's saying, but I don't know why exactly He wants you to hear it. And so it says, "Now listen, you who say it is ver chapter four, verse thirteen, and I'll stop whenever I." So we're going to start at verse thirteen. It says, "Now listen, you who say." Today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city. Spend a year there. Carry on business to make money. Why, you don't even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You're a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast and brag, all such boasting is evil. Anyone then who knows the good he ought to do and doesn't do it, sins. Amen. So, for me to hear that scripture five times in six days, God wanted it to be said again. Amen. And I'm sure I've been guilty of that same thing, of saying, I'm going to do this or that. You know, I actually do that all the time. I'm, somebody will ask, what are you going to do about this part of your building? You know, I'm going to remodel, I'm going to do this and that. And it's like, I don't know what I'm going to do. You know, it's like, if God wills, that might be a plan, but who knows what he wills. And I can tell you that this morning I felt an urgency that what God has showed you to do today, you do today. Amen. You don't say tomorrow I will do it. Uh, I guess it's it's kind of a little bit opposite than the scriptures. You're, you're, you're not bragging about what you're going to do. You're procrastinating about what God wants you to do. So whatever that is, you need to do it. And in a second, the uh, intercessors are going to come up here. And I want every... If you're alive in the room today, which I don't think there's any dead people here, right? You follow me? Uh, I need you to come to the front and that thing you've been asking God to work out in your life, 
that trouble, whatever it is, painting your mind, come and get prayed for. And I know that I myself have struggled with this forever. As in pride does not, I've not allowed myself to be humble to come up here and get prayed for. But I can guarantee you that not every one of you sitting here is okay. Because if you're alive, you're not okay. What, what I mean by that is that you've got something in your life that you wish God would fix. You are okay if you're in Christ Jesus, but you still have to live. 